Hey everyone, Happy New Year! It's 2023! I know I've been saying I wasn't going to post any new material for a couple weeks, but uh, I recorded this episode a couple months back with Xinyi. Xinyi is a fellow podcaster. She has a podcast called Don't Be Strangers. It's more of a movement where she tries to dispel the myth that it's difficult to make friends after you become an adult. So she's a really interesting person. She has a website. She has a podcast. She has a pen pal club. She has a YouTube channel. She does a lot of different things. She considers herself a creative chimera, meaning that she just likes to create in different media, in different ways. She's a digital nomad as well. And so uh, her format is just that we ask each other questions. I think it was five questions that we just ask each other, that things that we might be curious about. I was most curious about her digital nomad lifestyle. That just sounds interesting to me, but you can see that we talk about all kinds of different things, and we talk about what it means to be a stranger, and when do you stop becoming strangers? So uh, I hope you enjoy this. It's kind of a weird format because we recorded her show, and then I recorded a few questions for my show, so it might be a little different than you're used to. And if you're interested at all, you should definitely write to her and become a guest on her podcast. You don't have to be a podcaster or a celebrity or anything. She's just looking for people to talk to. So go check her out, Don't Be Strangers, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, of course, as well as her website, don'tbestrangers.club. Go check her out, and I hope you enjoy this episode of just us asking each other questions and learning about each other. And I hope you're having a great new year, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, Shinny, do you want to describe kind of what you do for a living and, and kind of your lifestyle right now? Hi, everyone. I'm Shinyi. I am a creative chimera, which just basically means I refuse to niche and I just exist as a creative artist person. I am also a digital nomad who is trying to build this podcast and community called Don't Be Strangers, which the mission of is to fight adult loneliness and to change the narrative that making friends as an adult is hard. And then also, by day, I am a web developer, but I don't really identify with that. So I always tag that on at the end, <laughs> in case you're curious. So you're, you're working in Texas right now. How many months a year are you outside of Texas? Well, I mean, all of this kind of just started in 2021 when I was able to secure remote work. So it hasn't been like that long. But within the past year, I would say that I've only been back home like a total of maybe two or three months. Oh, so I'm wow. starting to realize I'm spending a lot more time outside. But I don't know necessarily how long this will last in terms of like over the years yet. But based off one year's data. Yeah. <laughs> I've been out of the country for like over 50% of the yeah. year. And, and what where where have you been? Do you have a you have a mental list right now? <laughs> yeah, um I started somewhere safe. Like so in in the country, I did like a beta trial of my digital nomad life. I am based in Dallas, Texas, but then I decided to go to Chicago for five weeks and then that worked out well. So I was like, okay, like now that I've kind of tried this in a different city, I'm going to try out of country. And so I picked Mexico. So then I went to Oaxaca for a month, then um, Playa del Carmen for six weeks, then went back home for maybe like two or three weeks then flew right back to Mexico City, did that for two and a half months, flew back home for like seven weeks, so almost two months that time, then left for a week in San Francisco. That was just vacation to visit friends. <laughs> One month in Cusco, six weeks in Lima, Peru, and um, then five weeks in Medellin, Colombia, and I just got back two and a half weeks ago, and then I'll be here for a total of two and a half months before I go with my family to Malaysia um, mm. for a month. And after that, I plan to be in Spain for three months. Oh, so, wow. so those are some, yeah. some different time zones. That's definitely yeah, going to be exactly. harder. <laughs> exactly. What is your What does your team think? So you, you work with a team of developers. Do they say, where are you? Why are you? <laughs> you know, they ask you all lots of questions. <laughs> not not really. I feel like my team is really supportive. <laughs> and that's so they're cool. just like, oh, yeah. that's really cool. Or like, yeah, you should definitely do that while like you're young. <laughs> and like uh -huh. all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 
was that's exactly the reason why I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. And are you, you mostly travel alone? A few of these trips that I mentioned, I traveled with a digital nomad group called Wi-Fi Tribe. Yeah, and then the other times I've traveled with my husband. So I'll be like, okay, make yourself available to be out of country for like <laughs> two months because I won't be here. And I'm just like, I would like you to be here but you don't have to like it's it's your choice like if you want to come or not yeah and his work allows for that too is so i told him i remember when i was like in oaxaca and playa del carmen that was like before mexico city i remember texting him i was like i think we will be in mexico city quarter <laughs> one of next year that that being this year and he was like oh who's we like he's just, <laughs> he's very sweet so he doesn't like to presume things so he thought like Maybe I meant like, oh, my new friends I just met in this like travel group. Like, uh-huh. we're gonna go. And I was like, no, you, dummy, like, <laughs> you and I. And he was like, okay, but like, my job doesn't really. And I was like, well, I'm just telling you that I would like us to be in Mexico uh-huh, City uh-huh. in quarter one. And I'm just putting my desire out into the universe and like just seeing what happens. I was saying this because he had expressed to me like maybe one or two years ago that he said, that he would like to live in Mexico for for like some extended amount of time. But between the two of us, I think we can both agree that I am better at taking actions. Like if I say Mm -hmm. I want to do things, then I'm like searching the flights or I'm like doing my YouTube research and like buying the the things. Whereas he's more of like, oh, that would be nice. You know, like one day I would like to like maybe live in Mexico. So I was just like... I'm not just saying this. This is happening. But yeah, like like you, you've you expressed to me and I want to do it now too. So yeah, let's just see. And then he had to like, like scramble to do like a job change and find mm. like a different company that would let him work remotely. Yeah. Uh, so he made that happen. Well, like, wow, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, I'm sure family gets involved and, you know, just finances. It's probably complicated. I really admire what you're doing. I think it's pretty cool. Thank you. Do you, do you yeah. see any kind of an end game to it? Do you see you're just going to kind of do it until you can keep doing it? Yeah, I think like a part of my curiosity for exploring these different places is because I kind of want to know. I would like to discover a place where I would like to settle down. Mm. But my personality is not really one of settling down. So I guess you and I are very opposites in the way because I have like a very ferocious like curiosity for novelty and so that expresses itself in travel but then also it expresses itself like I mentioned I'm a creative chimera which means like I like to play with a bunch of different mediums and it's also a struggle because at the same time while it sounds like very exciting like she's always traveling or she's always like trying new like mediums in the creative realm or like learning new things new languages like whatever it may be it is also a bit frustrating from like the insider's perspective because the question that I always like ask myself is like am I always going to live like mildly dissatisfied because like that is the yeah that's the other side of like always seeking novelty is that like what if I could just stick to like one medium you know like what if I was just like a writer and I just wrote for the rest of my life but it's like but intrinsically that's not who i am yeah Yeah. like maybe writing would be a phase for like three months and then it's gotta be like photography and then it's gotta be like you know yeah yeah for all of us right so even if i'm not going anywhere we're still we're still working we're still adapting right all right so i think uh, i think we're gonna post your your part of it here so uh thanks so much for inviting me on your show thank you it was a joy speaking with you Uh, my name is Curtis. I live in San Francisco, and I am a high school biology teacher. That's it. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> what, uh, what else do you want to know? Um, I thought you were going to plug your podcast. Uh, yeah, so I'm a high school biology teacher by day, and then on nights and weekends, I record a podcast with friends or sometimes strangers, and we talk about, it's called the Infatuation Podcast, and we talk about Asian creators and Asian content and Asian culture and things that we like. So yeah, we've been doing that for a little more than a year. It's uh, fun to come on, be a guest on someone else's podcast. So thanks for inviting me, Shinny. Yeah, of course. Why did you pull the trigger and like actually yeah. do it? To be honest, I, I wouldn't have known how to do Zoom or I wouldn't know how to record calls if it wasn't for the pandemic. And so we were at home, we were teaching. So it's 2021. We were at home for the whole year. So the whole 
whole school year. And so I'm at home and I had bought a microphone to teach with and I'm on Zoom teaching. And then I, I, knew, I learned how to record calls and I learned how to you know, just make these recordings. And then I, I had known how to edit before from doing some video stuff. And so I, I just decided there was a lot of negativity, especially uh, around the Asian community. And there's a lot of disturbing things. And I just wanted to throw out some positive Asian stories and, you know, just things that I'm interested in and people that uh, I wanted to talk with. And so we started that and that was in 2021. And then I've just been doing it weekly since then. And we're coming up on a year and a half now. So it's been it's been really fun. Wow, that's so cool. And I think it's also kind of interesting that you said that you did wouldn't have known how to record calls if it wasn't for the fact that you were were yeah. forced to teach like classes <laughs> online. And the fact that you got a mic to teach your classes. So I think that's really, really interesting how like everything played out. It kind of did, yeah. You know, and just meeting new people when we're all stuck at home, right? And just trying to uh, reach out and just talk to people that if you're, I was at home with my family and my kids, and it was nice to talk to other people outside of those those three other people, and so it was it was a really good time. So I was just thinking, I like to think about where people came from and kind of what they would say to their younger self. So what do you think teenage and you would say uh, about your lifestyle right now, the digital nomads lifestyle, or even just what you're doing with the podcast? I think she would think that I'm so cool because honestly, I was the very shy, introverted, <laughs> very studious girl growing up. And so, and I still think that I perceive myself this way, that I'm just a person with a lot of fears. And I think that especially younger teenage me, I think I suppose that it's pretty normal being a teenager, having a lot of insecurities, but I felt it even more, I think, maybe because there was like this layer of being a minority or maybe a layer of insecurity about my identity, which is mm -hmm. layered in by like immigrant story, but then also other factors I didn't really feel like I fit in with what I was studying, even though I excelled in like math and science. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I wasn't exactly passionate about it. For all these factors, I think naturally I just was very, yeah, insecure is the mm -hmm. word here. So she, she would be shocked if she saw where you're at now. She would be really shocked. I, yeah, I think so. And, and I think one of the major turning points was that in college, I met a friend who really showed me how possible it was to like travel and to make travel part of your lifestyle because she took advantage of study abroad, which I it didn't like even occur to me. Um, but I know a lot of students actually do take advantage of study abroad, but she not only took advantage of study abroad, purposely scheduled her schedule when she was abroad so that she minimized her classes so that she could maximize her time oh, in wow. Europe. And then beyond that, also took opportunities within our colleges to participate in different groups that were also attending different events like globally. So she could like plus one on these trips, which is brilliant. It's brilliant because yeah. it made me realize that like a lot of people fantasize travel as something that you do when you have money and you have time. But she was just like a normal student, not exactly like rich or anything, just like me, Asian American, just finding ways to like fit travel into her lifestyle. And that really opened up my eyes. And so that I think was where the curiosity began. Mm. And I saw her as like, the bravest, most courageous <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. person. And I was just like, whoa, I really aspire to be like her one day. Shortly after like graduating, getting into my career, I saw an ad on Instagram about Remote Year, which is basically a program that brings digital nomads or people at that time, which I think was like 2013. So that was like a decade, like almost a almost, decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think they were like the first in this industry to basically organize a group of people to travel together and work remotely. But I had just started my career. So I was like, that's a lot of time and money to commit in. And I'm not able to work remotely given like that time, <laughs> that was kind of where the idea was planted. Like, oh, one day I would love to be able to 
work and travel as a lifestyle. One of the few good things that came out of the pandemic for me was like the ability to work yeah. remotely. So yeah. as soon as I saw the opportunity, I was just like, okay, I better take this. I've been dreaming about this for like over a decade. <laughs> but yeah, she would be quite impressed. But like <laughs> I said, I, I think I still live with a lot of fears. So yeah. I don't necessarily see myself as super courageous or anything. Mm -hmm. How long have you been teaching and how did you fall into your career? Yeah, I actually have only had one job my entire life. So I started teaching at this school in 1995. So it's like 27 years ago, I came in as a student teacher. And yeah, I'm one of those people that I, I'm just comfortable. I like where I'm at. And I never left. <laughs> so I've been I've, you know, and people ask me if it's boring, or if it gets repetitive. But honestly, it doesn't because, you know, biology changes a little bit here and there over time. But also, of course, the students are different every single year. And even every single period. So even if I teach one thing first period, it could be totally a different lesson by second or third period, even if it's basically the same content, but the people make all the difference. And it's like an organism, right? We're all like there's 30 people, 30 kids and and me and the way we interact and uh, with the material and with each other is different. So. So yeah, so I, I've been here. I, I wanted to be a teacher out of college. Like I was one of those kids that in high school, my senior year, I decided I want to be a teacher. And then I just, <laughs> I was pretty focused and just did biology in college and then ended up teaching biology. So I'm one of those people that, that just had things kind of fall in place and it's worked out so far. I said I would do it until it's not fun anymore. And it's been fun. It's still fun. That is so unusual, honestly. It like, is, right? <laughs> what you want to do at, like in high school. Because yeah. I think the part I didn't share with you was I actually studied molecular biology oh. um, as my degree <laughs> yeah, in yeah. college. And then like upon graduation, I actually did like a teaching certification program, a STEM mm -hmm, <laughs> teaching mm -hmm. certification program where it was like two years of this. And one of the semesters I was like a student teacher at my old like high school uh -huh, uh -huh. in the ninth grade biology classroom. And yeah, just like, honestly, kudos to you because it's so <laughs> I was like, this is, this is really it's not for everyone. Yeah. The, I mean, I kind of explored the, the teacher realm because it was my backup plan to medicine since my parents being Asian, like wanted me to pursue <laughs> medicine. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, if it's not going to be medicine, like what is my plan B? And so I was just like, why not? Let's just try this. I really like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, but like managing a classroom is not not the same thing as like one-on-one -on -one tutoring it's just so much and I think I was just like whoa okay that was like a good experiment but like you need a lot of energy I think and I was just yeah like, I only handled one class as like a student teacher out of like the full day although like that one semester was like I was just at the school the entire day for that entire semester oh, cool. it's taking its toll I, I feel tired a lot more than I used to <laughs> and yeah you know I actually was a double major with biology and drama so I did some acting and being on stage and getting used to speaking in public has kind of paid off. It's not for everyone. <laughs> there are easier ways to make the money that we make for sure, but I've enjoyed it. It's not for everyone, but, but it's worked out for me. Okay. You mentioning that you did theater and drama yeah. as like your second major. Uh, mm -hmm. I can see how that would be handy <laughs> in terms of... A little bit. Like, yeah. Improv. Teaching. Yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. And then, yeah, just standing in front of a group. Have you been able to use your theater slash acting knowledge in, in mm. any way past college? Not really. I, I wanted to write. I actually wanted to be a playwright. And I wrote a little bit in college towards the end. I got it published like in a very, very small publication. Yeah, you know, I always was thinking that I would I would just in my spare time, you know, write a play or, or work on theater, but it just never worked out that way. I'm getting some ideas now, you know, after teaching for 27 years and being around high schools are just funny places. There's a lot of going on. There's a lot of stories. I'm thinking about maybe trying to put some of these stories 
on film somehow, you know, maybe a YouTube channel or something like that. More like a spoken word, kind of a story thing. But I think it'd be interesting. And, you know, they'd be loosely based on the truth. But so we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But it's something that I've, I just thought of maybe in the last couple of years that maybe I should put some of these stories on on YouTube or, or some kind of podcast or something. I mean, you're halfway there. Having halfway there. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could you could just start as like bonus episodes on your own podcast. Just be like, hey, guys, yeah. like yeah. I used to do drama. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's super easy. Interesting. You know, like 20, 20 years ago, it would be so hard to get published on on a channel or a video. But now, you know, you it's a very low hurdle to get stuff published or uploaded. You know, you just need a you just need an account and you can publish. I'm also really curious because we're already on the topic of your podcast. Um, what is your podcast workflow like end to end? So typically what I'll do is I'll try to record a couple weeks ahead. I've been moving towards a interview style before it was more of a conversation style and i still want it to be a conversation but i've been interviewing trying to book guests that i don't know that much about so they're basically strangers and so i'll just find them on instagram or youtube and send them a dm and sometimes they come on and so i've interviewed people that are are pretty pretty big in their field and then some people are are just getting started so the workflow is basically we'll get on a call and we'll record for just like you about an hour Right. And then we'll talk. And then from there, I usually wait a couple of days. I, I, I feel like I need it to breathe a little bit. So if I record on a Tuesday, I won't start editing until maybe a Thursday or Friday. And then I'll start trimming. I, I don't know. Do you level do you level your audio first or do you trim first? I kind of level as I am doing it. Yeah, I like to level first. I, I kind of like to get the levels. What that means is like just get everyone's volume about the same. So there's compression and then there's loudest normalization. So I try to do that on like Thursday and then I'll trim. Then I'll, I'll cut out the ums. I'll cut out the dead time and I'll try to trim it. And then I'll turn it into an MP3 and then just listen to it on like a Saturday or a Sunday uh, when I'm in the car or even in bed or walking. I'll listen to the whole episode. Then I usually make notes on what I need to work on. And then, yeah, then I'll just put it on the, the server and I, I have it scheduled. I, I try to upload every Tuesday at 5 p.m. So in about 40 minutes from now, my episode will launch on, on all the platforms like Spotify and Apple. And then and then you got to do the social media. So I'll do that. You know, I, I just j- generally just post a picture. I do reels every so often, but I'm not very good at it. So I usually just do some kind of a reminder. And that's about it. So typically Tuesday to Tuesday, I record on a Tuesday and I upload on a Tuesday. It's basically what I do. Wow. So efficient. Uh, <laughs> not not like- always. Yeah. There's times <laughs> when life gets in the way, you know. Yeah. Last week I was super late because the weekend was so busy. I have two kids. I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old daughter. So there's always lessons, violin lessons, there's art lessons, there's birthday parties, there's stuff to do. So some weekends are busy and I don't get to editing until like Sunday night or, you know, Monday even. And then I'm kind of under the gun to get it. It sounds efficient, but there's always life, you know, because we have our day jobs and we, you know, I, I, I don't do this full time. So, yeah, that's yeah. about it. Do your students know that you have a podcast? They do. Yeah, some of them do. Actually, some of them were kind of impressed that I had one. And some of them are like, that's lame, you know, <laughs> podcasts are lame. <laughs> and I actually, the one that's dropping right now, what are we, October? fourth is about college i interviewed a college counselor and so i told them i go hey you guys might want to listen to this one because it's a guy telling you the secrets about applying to colleges so they there's some topics that they might be more interested in and then other topics when i we do a book review or you know some topics they're not very i actually work with a student one of my students is my co-producer she helps me edit and she comes on the episodes with me and she's 17 wants a future in broadcasting or audio uh, music technician she wants to do production and so she asked me if she could help last year and so she started helping and then she came on as a co-host and she's been great she's really shy she says she's really shy but she's great on the microphone sometimes that it's like that right you're shy in person but she's been really like everyone likes her. People who write into the show always tell me how much they like her. They never tell me how, how much they like me, but 
<laughs> they always make a point to say that they like Madison. That's really cool the way that you're able to like also support your student. Yeah, and you know, she's or, met she's met some people that she would never have met other or talked to them, you know. Like we interviewed an author. I don't know. Do you know the the graphic novel American Born Chinese by no, Jean Yang? Yeah, it's going to be a a, Dis- a Disney show too, but it was a is a book that meant a lot to her. She read it in middle school. And so when I told her we had booked that guest, she was super excited. And then we booked some musicians that she's really wanted to talk with and photographers. And she's really enjoys speaking to some of the guests that we've had and that she's really blossomed as a as a reporter, as a producer and a co-host. Yeah, so it's fun. What do you do in terms of prep for your um, either conversations or in- interview style podcast episodes. You know what I do? I do a lot of stalking. I do <laughs> like I go on people's LinkedIn's. You ever watch Hot Ones? It's on YouTube. It's a guy who gives people progressively hotter chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> and but while he's giving them chicken wings that are super super hot, like atomic bomb hot spiciness, he'll be asking them questions. And he's famous for digging really deep into people's backgrounds and finding out stuff about them. And trying to ask them questions that no one else has ever asked. So I like to try that. I'm not as good as him. But I, I do a lot of stalking and I do a lot of background. And I like to surprise the guests to a certain extent where it's like, oh, yeah, I heard in, in high school you did this or in college you did this. And they're like, wait, how did you know that? So I really enjoy that. I like trying to ask questions that they don't expect or that they weren't prepared for in a fun way not to not to stump them or anything yeah. yeah so a lot of a lot of research linkedin is a great place instagram is always a good place a lot of people have youtube channels that go way back so yeah i like to do a little background i like to know what we're talking about how about you do you do <laughs> do you do a lot of research do you typically no because like the the point of this podcast is to just connect as like strangers and so i don't do much prep i don't really try to like research my co-host before I even like prep my questions. These the questions that I prep. So for the listeners who are wondering and have not heard the the process for how I how I prep my episodes is that I ask my co-host and I to blind prepare five random questions, anything that you want to talk about. So I've I've had like co-hosts ask me in the past like, oh, I'm only really interested in pen palling. Like, can we just talk? exclusively about that and I'm just like I'm down to talk about anything you want to talk about the episodes when we get on air I typically as you experience Curtis a very short spiel of like check your settings like uh, this is how the hour will kind of like break down and then we just start talking because the idea for me is that this is a raw conversation which I will minimally edit (laughs) afterwards Mm -hmm. so that the listeners kind of get to hear the way that we converse and the way that we get to know each other deeper through this like first conversation slash first impression. So that's what it is for me. And then that's why I save, I've had some feedback in the past where like my co-hosts were like, oh, it might seem more professional if you spend a bit more time up front before hitting record to kind of like get to know the other person. I respect that feedback, but at the same time, it doesn't quite make sense, I think, in the context of my podcast and what I'm trying to achieve. Because it's like, if I get to know you before we start recording, then that feels like cheating. You know, like, like, okay, we already know each other. so (laughs) There's times when I will record quite a few background questions, but I don't use them because it's kind of a getting to know you period and then i'll jump in kind of in midway and it, it sounds like we're already friends you know and stuff so that's kind of how i do it sometimes but i like the idea i like your i like your format <laughs> i'm curious about your lifestyle a little bit and so i wanted to ask about traveling what are some of the main items when you're on the road when you're out of the country what are some of the main items in your travel bag the most essential things especially the things that you definitely couldn't live without what do you have in your bag okay it's gonna sound really boring because i I'm a very minimalist traveler. No, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the main things I always check for as I'm leaving for the airport or like leaving a hotel room or anything is like, do I know where my passport, wallet, phone, <laughs> laptop, just those yeah. things. Like, I, like anything else is superfluous. Anything else I can replace. And technically I can replace my laptop and my phone right. too, but it would just be a, such That'd a hassle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty much it. The last time that I was out of country for like four months, I carried 
for four months of a relatively small um, carry-on luggage. And everyone was like, how are you able to travel for four months in that? And the reason for that was because for that trip, I was in, I only went to Mexico City for like two and a half months with a more regular size carry-on bag. When I say regular size, it's like the max size that you can right. have for like, yeah, an, yeah over the head. And somehow I had managed to pack that particular carry-on so densely with like clothes because I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Mexico City for like two and a half months better like put you know months worth of clothing in there I had managed to pack that so densely that I thought I was going to kill myself trying to put that in the overhead <laughs> like, like I was like worried yeah. for my life because it was just so heavy so yeah, it's like a brick yeah so then after that I was like okay I'm gonna go with smaller carry-on because even if I make that super dense, it's still going to be lighter, I think, than what happened that yeah. other time. Yeah, I feel like when I travel, I'm super minimalist. I'm super boring <laughs> to a yeah. certain extent. Um, but then I think like the beauty of it is like I keep in mind what I can buy at the destination. Mm -hmm. That's like, okay, the small stuff. Like I don't bring toothpaste and stuff with me. Yeah, like I yeah, land yeah. and I go to like the convenience store. Right. And I think that's a part of the experience to visit grocery stores or like places that are not like touristy, but gives you insight into the common everyday like yeah. culture of a place. The brands um, and the, yeah, the different <laughs> exactly, labels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How often do you travel with like, I mean, given work, I'm sure you get like summer vacation yeah. and stuff like that. Do you take advantage of those vacations to go travel or are you more like, okay, I'm just going to stay at home and chill because... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I love being at home. Like, <laughs> I really like it a lot. I don't mind. So we have about 10 weeks off in the summer. So that's like really one of the perks of being a teacher. Uh, I don't mind spending like eight of those weeks at home. But I, I do like to do maybe one trip every summer with the family. Like this last summer, we went to Disney World. You know, we kind of the obligatory family trip. <laughs> And so we were in Florida and then we haven't gone anywhere really, really far, but we'll do LA or Hawaii. But I, I actually really just like being home a lot. And, you know, I, when I was younger, I, I did a longer trip. I did quite a few overseas trips when I was uh, right out of college or actually during college, I was teaching English overseas and I was a notorious overpacker. So I, I respect the minimalists out there, but I would carry too much stuff. And I still do now. I, I like to be, I'm kind of like that, that I, I'm in dad mode now. So I always <laughs> over, I go, oh, what are we going to need? We're going to need, need band-aids. We're going to need ice packs. You know, we're going to need a sippy cup. You know, all this stuff that I, I like to have at home, I like to bring with me. And it's it's way too much. So I, I wouldn't do that in my 20s. But back back then, I, I, I did a lot less. But now I'm like to a chronic overpacker. And I, it, it's... It, anno it annoys my wife a little bit because I, I, we have so much stuff for like a two week trip, but <laughs> but it makes me it makes me comfortable, and you know, and we're not backpacking and we're not going on trains. We're doing basic land somewhere and rent a car and then go to the hotel. <laughs> so it's not it's not too hard. Yeah, I feel like my minimalism probably emerged over the years. Like with more and more travel, you kind of understand through like the repeated exposure and experience like okay you definitely brought too much stuff yeah. last time like you didn't wear half of what you brought okay so yeah. you kind of get like an idea more repetition the more times i had to like see what i actually truly need do you ever have regret like when you get there like oh i should have brought this or i should have brought that or is it usually you're pretty pretty happy with what you got <laughs> I think the one thing that I that I kind of was like, man, I wish I brought this last time was my yoga mat. I was like, oh, this is like the one easy like carry yeah. with you gym type situation. But the reason why I didn't bring my yoga mat was because of the way I had planned my trip, I went to visit a friend in San Francisco, actually, mm. the first week. And it was going to be a week where I was going to couch surf between all my friends there. So I was like one night, like in this part of town, then two nights in that side of town, then one night. And I just thought like, I can't be bothered to be also lugging my backpack, my luggage and my yeah. yoga mat like underneath yeah. my arm. So when I got to Cusco, Peru, like one of the first things I did was I thought like, where can I get a yoga mat? And they actually surprisingly, they didn't really quite have stores available where you could just like purchase one. At that time, I was traveling with like a digital nomad group. So like mm. I had other 
companions in this group, and one of them was like, "Oh, I'm gonna check out this yoga studio.、Um, does anyone want to join me?" And I thought the yoga teacher must have yoga mats. Right,、so、you would think. Like,、right? yeah. So then I like I tagged along, not for the class. Like actually, I was just like, "Can I just?" Go with you, so I could talk to the yoga teacher,、um, <laughs> and she happened to have like you know used secondhand sure, mats、yeah. that she was trying to sell actually, and so I just like PayPal'd her the the money, and I was like okay, and but and it was like an expensive yoga mat too. I was like this is the most luxurious yoga mat I've ever gotten in my life, and so. A part of me was like a, a bit low key disappointed. Like I was like, I should have just brought my mat. Like, because I think I paid fifty dollars for this like secondhand mat. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs>、yeah. and it's like a cush one. Yeah. But then at that time that I got it, I was like, I'm traveling for another like. Three and a half months. So this is like an investment. For like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. the next three months. I would love to know. Do you look forward to changes in seasons? So two answers for that. You've been to San Francisco. You know that our weather is pretty stable all year long, right? We, we range. We have a very narrow range in our weather. It doesn't get very cold. Maybe fifties, and it doesn't get very hot. Maybe seventies. So we're we're in that range. That's kind of fall all year long. And so our trees are confused too. Our trees are actually—they don't lose their leaves like they do elsewhere. So they don't know what season it is. Sometimes I like that to a certain extent, but yeah, I do like seasons. One of the reasons I I like teaching is because it's seasonal, because there's a beginning and an end of every school year, and it's something to look forward to. Like I think honestly, if I had an office job. And it was just you know work every every day and the same. I think I would be really thrown off because in in the school season there's always a summer, there's always a fall, which is the beginning of school. Well, it's technically still summer, but you know in August we start school, and so fall semester, and then there's a winter break, and then there's a spring break, and then there's a summer again, and it just goes in this this ebb and flow and this cycle of of education. It's the academic calendar, right? And I love that, but. Of the seasons, I would say fall is my favorite. I I really like it when it gets a little colder. You know the the holidays line up where you have the Thanksgiving and then you have Christmas. For me, it's always been new beginnings because I've been basically in school my whole life, right? So I've always had fall as this new beginning season of new classes, new students, new everything, new school year. So fall for me is more of a beginning than any of the other seasons, and so I really like fall. I don't know. I I think I just like a little cooler weather. I'm not a beach person. I'm more of a yeah, more of a sit in, at home and read or watch kind of person. So I love fall. How about you? Do you do you have a favorite season? I would have to say that my favorite season is summer. Not only because my birthday falls in that, but <laughs> also probably because I have a very strong association to the academic calendar, where it's like okay, this is the time that we get like ten. Weeks off and、yeah. like you get to completely relax and unwind. And I really loved your perspective too on associating fall to like new beginnings. I think that's a very unique perspective that you only typically get with students and like potentially teachers. People right, who like right, do、yeah. go follow the academic calendar. I think it's also very interesting what you commented about the mundaneness of the repetition in like the normal <laughs> office, like professional workers' yearly cycle, because there's not really one. It's just like you yeah, know, it's just like、yeah. the same thing. And then typically, I guess like things kind of slow down in like December when there's like a bunch of holidays and people are taking a bunch of time off. Anyways, I definitely feel that, and I feel like I've gone to a point where I'm just like because I in my career as like a Web developer have have not had the opportunity to have an extended break. Feel like I'm hitting burnout yeah, <laughs> naturally、yeah. because like there's just no extended time to be able to be taken off. I kept like asking myself near the beginning of my career this question of like how was I always able to produce and like. Do so much as a student, and one of my answers was that oh, it was because we always had breaks. Like we always had、mm -hmm. this like very long summer break that let you completely reset and like hit autumn and like fall semester pretty hard.、Yeah. Or like that, like I was always yeah, able yeah. to hit fall semester really hard, and then and then you get like winter break, which kind of gives you like a mini reset. And then spring was never as strong for me <laughs> because yeah, of like, but then like summer just like lets you like completely start. Again. And you know when you have、uh, when you have when you work with kids, so I work with teenagers, but I also have my own children, and yeah, they they go so so bonkers over Halloween and all the holiday Valentine's Day, all the holidays.
holidays they really look forward to. And it just brings some joy to the year, you know, when you have someone who's so excited about something like Valentine's Day. Who cares about <laughs> Valentine's Day? But, you know, little kids, they get into it. And so Halloween is a huge one in our house. They start planning their costumes. Summer, you know, they're, they're already thinking about what they want to be. And I love it. You know, I, I'm not a big costume person, but I love the, their excitement. You know, their excitement makes me excited. So, yeah, they look forward to summer. They look forward to all the little holidays, whether big or small. You know, in San Francisco, we even get Lunar New Year off. So we celebrate Chinese New Year's. So it's just fun. It's just fun to have the, those, those signposts in the year, you know, as the year goes on that, you know, oh, we're halfway through or we're almost at this. You know, it's kind of fun. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I guess that is one of the advantages of like being surrounded by like people who are younger to be able to like derive off of their energy. That youthful and, yeah, energy. Yeah. 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 We were it. just talking about prom today, you know, like we're trying to plan prom and I work with some seniors and they're getting excited. So it's fun, you know, it's just kind of their energy, their excitement. It, it keeps you kind of young, I think. I love that. <laughs> when you're thinking about where you're going to travel to, what kind of research do you do before you get there? Do you, do you have have certain things that you always look up before you get there or what's the order of operations do you go housing first then do you do restaurants like what kind of things do you like to do research before you go somewhere okay so typically a place gets put on my like my mental map slash like bucket list of places i want to travel to through word of mouth recommendation so if someone tells me that they really loved italy they had like a great time in the museums or something i feel like that personal connection now that i have to italy via my friend telling me because my friend is like i think that you would love italy because i had a really good time makes it a stronger draw because it's not just like some random travel brochure it's like saying to me, you generic person, I think you would love Italy. But yeah. it's like my friend who knows me, who has experienced it themselves, is giving me like this personal recommendation. Yeah. That's how a place gets put, put on my map. And then in terms of like when I actually pull the trigger to like go to this place, I think is really tied around an event. I've noticed that I tend to travel planned around events. So what I mean by this is that if I think, oh, it'd be really cool to visit France one day, right? That's just an idea. And I don't know when that's actually going to happen. <laughs> like it's on my it's on my bucket list, but like I have no idea when I'm gonna visit France. This actually came to be spring of 2019 because my family out of nowhere was saying that they wanted to take my little sibling to London mm. for spring break. And so I thought, okay, I can travel with the family, go to London, but since I'm already in London, like I should visit France. And so, so that is like the event. The event is like the family trip to London. So they were only there for like one week, but I planned around that trip so that I would arrive like a week early, get in through Amsterdam, go to do my trip in France meet them in London and then afterwards do a weekend in Ireland with another friend. So I just kind of like try to like see what I could fit in into that one trip. Other times when I've like kind of planned around an event was like post-college, I took a gap year and I took advantage of my gap year to like travel. And I just kind of like visited friends all around the US. And I thought, oh yeah, it's great. Like I would love to go visit my friends in Boston, in like San Francisco, in LA. But then again, it was kind of like a, but when are you gonna do this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then one of my friends in Boston was like, you should totally come here. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Halloween. She was saying, you should come here for Halloween because we could go to Salem together. And like, mm. just like that, like I had a place and time to be somewhere. I needed to be in Salem by Halloween. And I planned a whole month around that oh, <laughs> date wow, and wow. time. Okay, so I mentioned, how do I know where I'm gonna go? How do I know when I'm gonna go somewhere? After that, in terms of researching like a place to stay, I typically choose Airbnb. I typically just go on Airbnb and just find something within my price range, find a super host so that I know that they're like reviewed yeah. and trusted. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not so much of a foodie, so I don't really look for food in particular. And then in the past, when travel was more like a vacation and I was really trying to optimize my stay, so then I would like actually research where like the top things I think were interesting and like try to plan out my days. I think that's 
pretty normal. But again, with more travel, I realize that it's not sustainable to constantly do travel research, right? Like, like I'm gonna spend like half my life <laughs> researching for my travel if I'm like investing that much time yeah. into being my own travel agency. So nowadays, my research is pretty minimum. I just like take the recommendation of my friend, like Italy is great or whatever. Then I like try to find some sort of event or like time base reason to be in Italy or close to Italy so that I can like jump over to Italy and then Airbnb and then I'll figure it out when I'm there like, then <laughs> yeah. I'll land and yeah, yeah and like yeah. okay like obviously when packing for clothes so I look up like general temperature and stuff this last time I was out of town I researched like the temperature range for Lima Peru was about like San Francisco right. like 50s yeah. and 70s so I thought like great awesome and then i got there and it was like cloudy all the time and i didn't mm. expect that like i didn't research that who thinks to research cloudiness of yeah it's like, like like we know seattle is cloudy we know london is cloudy but like <laughs> i don't know i didn't think that like you know it's just like 50s to 70 okay so i packed for 50s and 70s after that i was like oh i should definitely see if a place is cloudy because <laughs> it was like six weeks and it wasn't too bad but i was definitely lethargic the entire time and i was like i don't like this that's something i learned recently was like check the cloudiness of place <laughs> before, before you plan that and that oh this is another thing with the advantage of being able to work remotely and travel at the same time i no longer am very interested in trips shorter than a month because i want to slow travel i don't want to like yeah. get into a place for a weekend or a week and then just have to like go 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 like museums 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 cafes restaurants like tourist sites one two yeah, three. Like, just, like, yeah yeah i know like I, i'm too old for that i just yeah. like i just want to get in find a nice cafe like read a book do my job and then like maybe hit up a tourist spot and like just spread it out you know over yeah. the course of a month and just kind of like really indulge myself in that place rather than giving the surface yeah are you pretty yeah. good with time zones like you know some of these time zones you're working are do you have meetings or you know is it project based or well i've actually deliberately planned most of my travel to be in the same time zone so i haven't had mm. too much trouble so i've stuck primarily with latin america because i'm based out of dallas texas okay. so this is like central time so the first time i like traveled out was like chicago for five weeks same time zone then it was like different parts of mexico all pretty yeah. much the same time zone and then this last time south america but all still same time it's, zone. it's on the same uh, yeah exactly like, yeah. <laughs> exactly i'm gonna do one that's pretty difficult i've already communicated with my team so they're like willing to work with me around this my family's trying to go back to malaysia for all of December. And I haven't been back to Malaysia, which is where I was actually born in Kuala Lumpur for over like a decade. So I figured like, it's about time, like my family would love it if I could go. And I, now I have the capacity to go for that long, you know, because yeah. it's, I, in my mind, it's not worth it to go to Asia Absolutely, if you can only be yeah. there for like one to two weeks. Like no if way, I jet yeah. lag and then coming back and more jet lag, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, now I can actually go there for a month. I will be working. Um, that time zone will be interesting. That's gonna be rough. <laughs> be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would love to ask you the question that I ask everyone, which is, how do you define a stranger, and at what point do they transition from being one to not being? One? I'm. I, I sound kind of outgoing. You know, being a teacher, you're upfront a lot, but I feel like I'm shy to a certain extent. With students, maybe because I'm older, you know, maybe because of the age gap, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at meeting students and not afraid of meeting new people. But if it's someone my own age, if it's someone, you know, not, not that kind of relationship, teacher student relationship, I get kind of shy and I get kind of nervous and apprehensive about meeting new people. And so I would say a stranger is someone that maybe I just don't know what I have in common with them yet, or I don't know much about them, how they would perceive me or think about me. And so I think it, it transitions to being someone that I might know if, if we start to get to know each other a little bit about each other and, and our perceptions of each other are a little bit more clear like, oh, you work here or you went through this or we're about the same age. You know, we have that common ground. We find some kind of common ground and then we, we become friends. And I think it doesn't have to do with age. It doesn't have to do with ethnicity or, or that. It just, you can find some kind of common ground with anyone probably. But I think getting over that, going from stranger to acquaintance to friend, I think is, 
is something that I'm still working on, even at my age, you know, I'm still working on. And there's times when I feel like, oh, I have enough friends. I don't need to make any more friends. But interestingly enough, like this podcast, I've probably met more people this last year and a half than I have in the 10 years prior, you know, like people that I, I actually talk to and, and we talk about podcasting or, you know, we do an interview and then we keep in touch. And this podcast has helped me to kind of get out of my shell a little bit and I think become friends. I like that question. I, I, I hadn't thought of that before, actually. But yeah, I guess it's just the unknown, you know, being strangers means there's some unknown between you, but then you can chip away at that a little bit through conversation or through just talking about life, you know, and just figuring out where you have some common ground. Definitely want to like dig a bit deeper into <laughs> what you mentioned there about being shy because how does that work with you cold reaching out to people and then have these conversations with strangers? Yeah. Maybe I maybe I like the defined role of, you know, host and interviewee. Maybe I like that dynamic where it's defined, you know, where it's like Okay, well, I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to answer these questions. I, I, I guess I like that definition as opposed to when you just bump into someone at a, <laughs> at a party or, you know, a friend of a friend or something. And there's no kind of structure. I don't know if that's the right word. This is very interesting, but I think you're right. Yeah, I kind of like having the structure of an interview, maybe because it's like, okay, we're going to we're going to talk about this and then we're going to talk about that. And I feel comfortable with that as opposed to just okay now what do we talk about you know like with the stranger it's kind of like okay well i know your name but you know i i like i do like asking questions I, I like your format i like asking questions but that's not always i don't know if everyone wants to answer my questions you know but with the podcast if they agree to come on you figure they're okay with answering questions right yeah it's like a mutual collaboration because there is like consent in that like, yeah. yeah yeah like you've asked them like would you like to essentially collaborate with me in producing and creating this this interview? And they have agreed. So like now you understand the rules of this conversation. Whereas, yeah, I guess like if you're just at a party or it's like you bump into a new colleague, and it's just like you have no idea, for example, like how long they have as a break, like right now before they need to like go back so can you do you have the time to invest in like a deep question uh -huh. right? or is it just how's the weather yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> right exactly something more surface level because you don't want to hold them up yeah i think that's really fascinating i don't think i've ever really thought about that yeah before, so maybe but... maybe podcasting is the best way to make friends i don't, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potentially. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> this is making me think of like the last guy I interviewed. He also identified as an introvert, but he does PR. And mm. I was like, that is very interesting because yeah. how do you manage like being an introvert and like doing PR? So the other reason why I like highlighting this in particular is because I feel like it's also very empowering sharing the stories of people who identify as introverts who have found ways to be extroverted in their own way that is like not extremely <laughs> draining for them make connections with other people in a meaningful way that fills their social needs i just enjoy what you're doing and I, i'm glad you do it I, I, it's a neat idea the pen pal thing we didn't really talk about but that's a neat idea too one of these days <laughs> maybe i'll i'll sign up to do that as well because yeah, i do like meeting new people but it, there's always that hurdle of like oh will they like me or do we have anything in common and so i like the way that you're trying to break through that thank kudos you so to much. you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Thank you.